Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode, episode number five. I oh nope four four. I'm always getting ahead of myself. Episode number four of Summon Elder Dragon podcast. Uh, this is Steve, your host. Joining me tonight, we have our uh, our uh, our Ronan in the land of the rising sun. Sean, say hello, Sean. Good afternoon. Are you cool with being a Ronan? Uh, as long as, yeah, I guess it's fine. All right. <laughs> And uh, and we have a special guest host tonight uh, joining us from uh, the area of the Twin Cities here is Luciano. Say hello, Luciano. Hey, what's going on? So, Luciano, you're our guest host tonight. We want to know a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about uh, when you got into playing Magic, what your focus in Magic you know, is, uh, and, and a little bit about uh, EDH and who you play with. Well, I uh, started playing tournaments back in '05 when uh, Ravnica came out. So I've kind of got my start there, and I've uh, been playing, you know, FNMs, you know, off and on, and I've been playing EDH for about a year now. With EDH, I've, you know, I mostly do two-color decks, but I've started to do monocolor decks, you know, because I, I, I think it's pretty fun. I think, you know, two-color for me is probably the easiest to make, but um, yeah, about a year now. Okay. I've been playing leagues and stuff. All right. And just uh, throw out a couple generals that you've worked with in the past. Uh, well, my, my first EDH deck was actually Drowning Lichlord, the blue-black guy. My first, you know, more serious deck was Momir Vig. Oh. But I've also, you know, experimented with uh, aggro. Like, I have a uh, Stonebrow and Hero deck that's just all about playing guys of trample and bashing face. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Uh, yeah. Most recently, I made a... Uh, that uh, Dell Inquisitor deck. Oh, we talked a lot about that during the Warwake review. Yeah, it was kind of funny because I I was uh, re- uh I was listening to that podcast and I was like, oh yeah, I have I have that deck too. So I've I've kind of been you know trying to play play that recently. Excellent. Uh, just to kind of get a feel for it. I've also made an Ashling deck that's not 99 Mountains. It actually plays other other cards, and that one that one's pretty fun. Excellent. Yeah, we we're gonna have to find out uh, in a moment here when we start talking about Rise of Eldrazi if Sean has uh, has uh, tried to do any other ninety nine uh, mountain or ninety nine ninety nine any land decks uh, with any uh, new Rise of the Eldrazi cards. It would, that'll be one of our every time a set comes out, we're gonna be waiting with bated breath to see if Sean has broken another legend with ninety nine lands. So we'll get to that in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit uh, on this episode about Rise of the Eldrazi. Uh, boy, that's got a lot of t- stuff to talk about for EDH. And we're going to talk a little bit later uh, after the Eldrazi talk about pimping. Not just necessarily your, your cards or decks, but pimping your magic experience. Uh, because Elder Dragon Highlander is all about the fun, and pimping can certainly be fun. But uh, first up, it's Rise of the Eldrazi, and we're going to dig right in with that. We're going to kind of do our little set review of this, Uh, and don't worry, folks, uh, unlike the last one, we're not going to dig into every single card, but we are going to kind of go by color, uh, you know, down the line, but we're going to start with the big boys, because that's what everybody wants, and they happen to have no color. That's the big new thing, so... uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Eldrazi spells, colorless, EDH. Everyone's uh, been talking about it. Some people say, wow, great, woohoo. And other people are saying, oh, no, too easy. <laughs> what do you guys think, Luciano? Too easy or great? 
Um, I think that the colorless spells kind of open up a lot of variety for, you know, decks that might not have uh, access to certain things, like uh, Artisan of Kozilek is a good example, because it, um, you know, has the when you when you cast trigger of reanimating a creature, and, um, you know, red decks and blue decks don't really get that so much. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's good in some respects for the format, but it also sometimes makes things a little too easy because, you know, part of, you know, the colors is being able to, you know, do certain things and not, and, you know, not being able to do certain things. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely, I, you know, I, it's, when these things started coming out, uh, I think the first cry when, when uh, Kozilek came out, uh, I remember a lot of people saying, Oh, we finally have another, you know, colorless uh, legend, you know, to use to to make our decks around. And they were all happy. And then they kind of realized uh, when they understood the extent of how many spells were available that were colorless, some people kind of pulled back on that and said, now, wait a minute, this might just be getting a little too easy. And boy, everybody's going to be running these spells. And so... You know, an Elder Dragon Highlander deck is no longer going to be a 100-card deck. It's going to be a, uh, let's see, what would this be? You know, uh, how many Eldrazi are there exactly? There are 13. So it's going to be a 87-card deck and the 13 Eldrazi spells. I don't know. Is, is that oh, is that going too far, Sean? What do you think? I think that's going a bit too far. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Um, I, th- I really like... Uh, we're gonna have to wait and see how things play out. Of course, I mean that's a safe answer, but it's it's also true. I mean, if one thing I've learned, like even after this pre-release, is just seeing that, wow, that's insane, and then still winning. You know, like uh, uh, you know, after some of these insane spells have resolved against you, and you still win, or whatever, or even casting your spells, and it's really fun, and the other guy's doing it too. You know, just similar. Like if everyone's on the same page, like playing the same kind of power level stuff, then. Uh, it's not that bad. Like I don't think that landing that casting Kozilek first is the equivalent of playing turn one Soul Ring, and the other guy not. Um, so I think there are plenty of powerful cards already in EDH, and a lot of this is kind of overhyped. And you know, a lot of these, the, especially the gods, um, I see a lot of decks that wouldn't want to run them at all because of that shuffle in clause, which can really. Uh, neuter a lot of your powerful interactions and synergies with the graveyard that most EDH decks uh, seek to exploit and use. So, I mean, I wouldn't play any of the Eldrazi gods because I don't want to shuffle my graveyard anywhere. Um, Marshall's Justice is just too good, and a lot of other cards and other decks, too. You don't really want to shuffle your graveyard away. You know, but they're, they're definitely really powerful. Uh, one thing I think that's cool is just all the acronyms that come out, or, like, the nicknames for cards... Right now, like, uh, all is dust, is AIDS, I think everyone knows that. Um, K-Bot might have caught on or not, I don't know. Like, around here it has, for Kozilek, and, uh, you know, just some stuff like that. Like, Skittering Invasion's hilarious. I don't really think it's good enough to play it by itself, like, even in Limited. But, really, I think the ones you'll see being played, if somebody wants to play Spawn Sire, I think that's... It might be cool the first time, who knows? Like, if you're playing five colors and you grab, like, every changeling in the game and you've got them all pimped out and foiled and you just throw them all down, that would be pretty awesome to see, I think. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some ideas. That, fit, that segues into pimping pretty well. Like, if you make a spawn sire of Ulamog, 
resolve and you pull this trigger out and you just like pull out like you know pimped out foil jelly moose that's the four forward trample i don't even know its real name because we could just call it jelly moose forever but you know stuff like that i don't think the sky is falling i think that edh will adapt and you know things that aren't fun get old real quick in edh and people police themselves and edh is still going to be the best format on the planet can't stop <laughs> well, let's let's talk about a few and uh, and just say now let's let's just talk um a, a little bit about how big some of these are and and, and is it really worth it? And I, Sean, I think you bring up a wonderful point about the graveyard and how important it can be to some you know, well a lot of EDH decks. Um, I mean, the graveyard is great if you've got ways to you know utilize anything in that graveyard because. It's just an, an extra uh, bit of access to resources. And, you know, in a large game like that, he who hath the most resources hath the best chance of winning. That's just really cool effects, too. I mean, if imagine, you know, you do this, and or if you're just playing it, and you get hit with, you know, any random thing, and you just discard it and shuffle your graveyard in, and later on when that living death happens, you don't get anything, because you've shuffled all your stuff away, mm-hmm. you know, and... They just turn things off, you know. You don't really... I, I like keeping my graveyard there. Like, I don't even play Relic of Progenitus. I play Scrabbling Claws instead because I don't want to remove my graveyard as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just need to remove, like, that one little, like, Genesis or something that's a little bit too good. Get rid of that. Be fine. But even my graveyard hate isn't nuking on graveyards. So, um, you know, graveyards are a really powerful resource, and these guys can really turn that off, so... Be careful. <laughs> I've, I've seen enough games go late where you know enough reset buttons have happened that you know very few people are keeping anything but their lands on the table. And if you can somehow get Emrakul out into play and, and swing once with it, you're going to really hurt someone if they have no defending creature. It's all their you know their mana base is is, is just absolutely attacked if it's all they're sacrificing. The best, the coolest thing I think you can do with Emrakul um, is playing it in a sign of the Ur-Dragon deck and playing Conspiracy. And huh. the, the cool thing is is you don't have to have your Boaz Stronghold combo anymore to keep putting the really cool guy on top so you can keep mm-hmm. getting him out of your deck technically even though it's not just top card. I mean, we don't even make the guy shuffle, you know. But um, like that's just insane. Like I think that that is really exciting for me. Like, if I was going to play in Rockwell, that would be the direction I would go. It would basically be a sign of the Ur-Dragon deck, but, I mean, come on, it'd pretty much be an Rockwell deck. You're like, you're just, you're just going to turn, you're, like, get the Conspiracy going, and, you know, sign of the Ur-Dragons, smash you, like, you're sacking six permanents, because it's just insane. <laughs> so, I mean, it would, the cool thing with Scion is, like, you pay two to activate. Right, and if they're if they're going to kill it, they need to kill it now. Like if they have some response, they need to do it now. And then if they do something, you can just pay two in response again, and whatever. And then it turns into a Rockwell, and it has protection from colored spells. So that path to exile or whatever it was going to be is countered. I think this is just so insane for some of the Ur Dragon decks um, that it basically, if I was playing in Rockwell, it would be via playing Sign the Ur Dragon. And just getting Conspiracy, if you guys don't know, like, it's an enchantment for 3 and 2 black. And it just turns all the creatures in your deck and hand and graveyard everywhere into this type that you choose. So you choose Darwin, and you're like, okay, there you go. Everything's a Darwin, and I smash you. 
and yes, I'm saying dragon instead of dragon because I'm cool, so get over it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, like that's what I would do with it because 15 general damage, annihilate six, pretty sexy, and yeah, that's how I would use it. Just turn it into a dragon. All right. Any? any well, um, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, you were talking about the shuffle of the graveyard. Um, I guess, you know, in my personal, you know, well, my local metagame of EDH, there's, like, a lot of combo. And um, a lot of times, like, somebody will try to do one of those infinite mill combos. Ugh. Like, <laughs> like with, you know, um, Ultra of Dementia or, like, Brain Freeze or something. So then having that, that guy as a blessing can sometimes save you. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because then, cause then, you know, because it basically gives all the colors access to Guy's Blessing, which I would not... Ugh, sorry, like, I just would not play in Rockle if you want the Guy's Blessing, though, because somebody's going to bribery you. So if you are gonna, if you just want the Guy's Blessing, then play... Guy's Blessing? Probably... Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're green, then play Guy's Blessing. <laughs> if you're not, and you want that effect, then maybe... Kozilek instead of like Ulamog because he'd be indestructible if you got bribery. All right, we'll move on here and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the you know the the uh, you know we've talked about the big three uh, a little bit and they're all mythic. But what about the what about the Eldrazi that most people are going to be able to get their hands on? Uh, and uh, we'll start off I think with uh, Ulamog's Crusher because that seems like a re- a common that seems like a really good. One that everyone's gonna gonna have access to, and it's just a, a very aggressive one. Uh, so I don't know, Luciano, what do you what do you think about Crusher? Is that uh, is that a great one at common because everyone's gonna be able to get it? Oh well, yeah, it's 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 very accessible, um, and I, I guess you know for, for decks that can you know power out the mana, or even even if you can't you know power out the mana, it's even you know a respectable creature if you're gonna play it on past turn eight or whatever um and attacking each turn i guess doesn't really work against it you know because you, you kind of want to attack as much as you want with these guys anyway at least um, with annihilator yeah yeah it's pretty good too <laughs> yeah eight is big sean what do you think i love it i i think it's a fine card i don't think it's too overpowered um and I think that it's better than people think, especially after the pre-release. Um, you know, going into pre-release, you know, I, I thought maybe, I don't know, I, like, I was aware of the card and actually opening it and playing with it and against it. And it's funny how similar my pre-release experience was to, like, kind of an EDH experience. I mean, like, you're, you're ramping up, um, you know, playing big spells, and it's just kind of like going big. It's pretty fun, and uh, Eldrazi Limited, I think, is really fun, just sealed deck-wise. That's all I've played so far. I haven't drafted, and uh, I think it's a perfect EDH card. And I think, you, I mean, this guy can come down, you know, turn six or five or four. Uh, depending on what you're playing in your deck, uh, I play a lot of Artifact Acceleration, so I'm excited about the guy. And put a sword on him or whatever. If you're playing beatdown, I think he's definitely worth a look. Okay, and and uh, I think uh, basically uh, his lost cousin 
is uh, is the Eldrazi conscription, which uh, really does something very similar. It has the same annihilate clause. It's going to give plus 10, plus 10 to a creature it ends up on, but it's also going to give it trample. I mean, this is the real deal when you're talking about a very big, splashy aura. Um, I just, you know, I, I, I salivate thinking about getting this on even the smallest of creatures. You know, even a zero one, it's it just it becomes huge, and uh, you know it's 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 so big, it feels to me like it's worth it to work around the aura problem. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that I've noticed uh, with Annihilator, Annihilator is uh, is great because it gets around um, uh, Maze of If. Because it's a it's an attack trigger. It's not a it's not a combat trigger, as far as dealing damage. So giving this to a creature can even you know kind of put somebody on notice that has a maze of it that uh, it's it's still gonna hurt them even if they have that you know up their sleeve. And you cannot story circle this guy. That's pretty cool too. <laughs> I mean, there's just all kinds of little perks for being colorless. You know, like if people. Or playing, uh, you know, protection or different things going on like that, or you know, just little effects like that going on. Like, you know, if someone plays a washout, like you don't have to worry about it. If you're playing mono green, and or you know, someone tries a meta game and play perish or something like that, or you know, even a hibernation, like you still have this guy. So it's a, uh, it's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, and- it's it's especially uh, relevant because of the banning of painter servant. Hmm. Oh, exactly. Um, and then I think one other thing that we really wanted to talk about because this is an interesting effect that you know a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of colors don't have access to this strongly, but of course it's big, but is not of this world. And for those that don't know, this is an uncommon for seven, which um, which says and and Sean's going to tear this apart. Counter target speller ability that targets a permanent you control. And then it costs seven less to cast if it targets a speller ability that targets a creature you control with power seven or greater. So you get a big beast, uh, you know. And if you're playing like a you know big general or maybe a general with got uh, some equipment on it, or you know obviously an Eldrazi, which is meant to, uh, this thing is just insane. And um, and Sean, talk a little bit about just what it means to have these abilities that other colors can access now. Um, yeah, I'm somewhat of a monocolor deck specialist, and you know that makes me kind of view the game like EDH specifically, like through kind of a different lens. And this card, I, I want I want this card in foil, and I want to give them out to my friends and be like put it in your deck and convince them why. And it's just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> this is the ridiculous. Get this card in a get this card in foil, pimp it out. Uh, you know, put. Special flair on it, like right, no, or I don't, not this time. Like, like it just, I mean, it counters maze a bit. Like, no, who's gonna see that coming? Like, you swinging like mono red, whatever. You know, you swing at your guy with your Rorix again, and then he mazes it. And this has been going on turn after turn, and whatever. And then like he thinks he's gonna deal with you this turn again. No, you know, like boom, not of this world. Don't think so. Counter the ability, like the counter the spell part. I mean, is pretty cool too um, I mean any, there are plenty of other colors that can counter spells like you can counter spells in white too and green and black has imps mischief 
Um, and then you can play the artifact that will counter a non-creature spell that's targeting it. Um, this is just so good. Like, I, I just, for monocolor decks, just being able to counter the ability on a maze of it, or especially if you're playing mono black, or, you know, any mono, like mono green and mono blue, if someone's killing your really awesome, insane mana generator, like your Tulane Academy, or your Cabal Coffers, or your Guy's Cradle, then you've got a seven mana counter for that. Um, maybe blue didn't have to worry about it as much because they have Stifle, but this is way more powerful than Stifle and more versatile. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, it does, it does cost seven mana, but, you know, you can counter something that's, counter an actual spell. And so it could be like somewhat of a Stifle upgrade. And it lets other colors get stifled that didn't have it. I mean, if, only if it's targeting a permit you control. But, I mean, being able to counter someone's wasteland, I don't care if it costs 7 mana. Like, that's awesome. If I'm playing black, I, I want my coffers or whatever. You know, like, if you're if you're playing green and someone's, you know, sitting there at the Dust Bowl and then, like, mm. you know, it's a politics kind of going on and you untap or whatever. And then, you know, you just kind of keep... You to start talking some smack, and then you know, like, oh yeah, you won't do it, and they do it, and you had your seven open, use it now. You know, like there are ways to force people to pull that trigger, and then you know, when you have the counter for it, like I think it'll be great. And I, I can't, I, I would talk about this all day, Steve. You need to just cut me off. Yep. This card yeah. is not of this world. You're you're cut off. You're cut off. And now, just for a little bit of uh, it, well, Isaac, I'm sorry, Luciana, do you have anything else to add in here on that? Well, yeah, um, well, it's, you know, written as a 7-mana spell, but if you have a, uh, like, a big creature out there, you don't have to pay 7 for it. Like, you know, it kind of plays into, you know, the fact that in EDH you can, you know, go, you can go big. Like, especially if you're playing, you know, with, like, a big green deck. If, like, if you have some sort of, like, Protean Hydra or something out there and you want to protect it, or if you're playing War Elemental, War Elemental gets huge. Yep. So right. then, so then, then it's like a free uh, stifle slash hindering light or whatever for it. That's nice. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know, guys. Is is this the is not of this world the number one Eldrazi spell for EDH? In my book, hands down, absolutely. Um, I, I would say between that and all is dust. Really. Just because Alice Dust gives a lot of uh, a lot of ability to other colors that wouldn't normally get a board sweeper type effect. Yeah, because a lot a lot of times, even if you uh, sometimes fall behind, it's kind of nice to have the reset button so you can you know get things kind of under control if you were getting a little too crazy. Okay. And now let's have, just have a dream moment and think about the spawn sire of Ulamog. Which is, uh, it is rare, and uh, it has that 20 mana ability to cast any number of Eldrazi cards you own from outside the game without playing their mana cost. I, I have, I can't, you know what, I bought a ton of Warwind Block. You know, I mean, <laughs> it would plop down so many changelings, I would need a second table just to hold them all. It's just it makes me want to do it. I don't know. I, I not just the dudes either. You're gonna cast all the spells. I mean, oh you're yeah. Get your crypt swap. You're gonna get like every changeling spell too. And oh to my gosh. Them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, this is just win. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I bet you there's almost no way you could lose if you pulled this off. 
And you know what's really cool? You get all those changeling guys, and you, of course you're going to get your mirror entity. And if you have 20 mana, I'm assuming you have some arbitrarily large mana. So, um, you know, incoming no, if- changeling berserker that's ridiculously huge, incoming Karn wanderer that probably has haste uh, that's ridiculously huge. Like, if anybody wants to do the math on this and tell us what it will be like on an empty board, and you have only Pathraiser, arbitrarily large mana, what's going to happen with <laughs> you know <laughs> all the all the changeling spells and all the Eldrazi spells that you can get? Like, don't cast all, don't cost, don't cast all this dust, but you know, <laughs> be pretty crazy. I don't know. I, I'm just curious if people are going to try to break this hard enough to make it an issue. Well, what about uh, what about conspiracy? If you play oh my god an Eldrazi, then you can go you can go nuts. Oh my god! Oh. Here's my collection. Conspiracy's <laughs> <laughs> not going to change well, the type of for cards spells. that don't that are outside of the game. I yeah, mean, it, it affects cards that aren't in play. Yeah, but not outside the game. Like, come on, like that really? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really think conspiracy is going to. Oh, I hear some furious typing. I think we're going to have a, a good hard look at a. I'm gathering that. Okay, cards you own that aren't on the battlefield, creatures you spells you control, and creatures you control are the chosen type. So it's cards, creature cards you own. Yeah. That aren't on the wow, good call. Okay, conspiracy. If you didn't know, when you have a conspiracy in play, your uh, (laughs) every creature you own is outside the game. Happens to be that creature type. That's hilarious. Seriously, this is probably, I would say that this is the probably the most fun Holy Grail type card for EDH that has ever existed. Yeah, I'm totally imagining this coming out of a Raffello's deck wreaking havoc. This is insane. Because, you know, it's it's basically, if no one's got a counter or stifle effect or something like that, it's, it's uh, it, you know, if you can generate 30 mana, and in EDH we've seen that, you know, it's well, possible. Well, helps you, you make mana by himself too. I mean, you know, because if your if your entire deck is focused on finding this guy and making the mana to to cast him, you can. I'm guessing you could probably do that within what? What do you think? Maybe five to eight turns. I could do a turn four. Yeah, we've okay. got a deck right now that's casting K Watt like turn four very consistently. So, yep. and, and so because you could cast this guy turn three. And you like I play blue with training grounds and like because his ability lets you make more mana. If I mean, yep. If you, if you just get like a training grounds and the um, was it Ashnod's altar or no? What's what's the one that sack a dude for two mana? Yep, Ashnod's uh, altar. Yes. Okay, so Ashnod's altar and training grounds. There you go. You got infinite mana just like that because um, you yep. sack a dude. And, well, not well. Infinite dudes, like you just need to reduce it one more. It's pretty crazy. Well, listeners, if 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 you're out there and you ever nail it with a sponsor, you gotta let us know. And to email us, uh, you need to email edh at mtgcast.com or myself. You can email me at pinch hitter p i n c h h i t t e r at mtgcast.com. Uh, Sean, yours is. Spartacus at gmail.com. Spartacus with a V. With a V. Victor. Yep. Yeah. And Luciano? Uh, Alucardusx at hotmail.com. That's A-L-U-C-A-R-D-U-S-X. <laughs> at hotmail. At hotmail.com. All, All right. right, folks. Um, 
we're going to move on now and talk a little bit about some of the colored spells, you know, the other stuff that's in Rise of the Eldrazi, uh, now that we've talked about that. So I'm just, uh, I'm kind of going down the, uh, the, the spoiler list that MTG Salvation puts forward because they do it, uh, by card order and, uh, and color. So we're going to, we're going to go into white and, uh, just going to go round robin and, uh, everyone's going to just kind of point out a card and we're going to just call it talk very briefly about what they think here. We're going to probably try to hit maybe four, five, six cards out of each color if they've got it, and uh, just mention how what we think it's uh, it's good for in EDH. So, uh, White, Sean, you are obviously with your um, uh, folks that have listened to the show before know that Sean uh, rocks a chroma quite often, and uh, White is a chroma's color. So, Sean, I know you've looked at White. What is it there? Um, there's Deathless Angel, and I'm really glad there's going to be an alternate art promo at the game day. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it to game day and make the top eight so that I can get one. Uh, it's a standard tourney. If you get top eight, you can get an alternate art uh, Deathless Angel, or so I think right now. I've heard, read, something like that, because I really hate the art that's on it right now. Uh, this is the ugliest angel in Magic, and I'm talking uglier than Wayward Angel, which is like a zombie with four arms and just nasty. What about uh, she's uh, a, what she's what a about the Angel of Mercy? Oh, this no, this is hands down ugly, uglier than that. It's horrible. <laughs> Have um, you seen the card close up yet? I know you've gone to a pre-release. Art. Yes, yes, I've held the card in my hand and was beaten by it at the pre-release. It is a bomb. I really like the card. It's definitely a bomb. I originally thought it was seven mana for some reason because I saw five seven and flying, and I just thought like the the raptor from uh, Lorwyn or block or whatever that uh, you know attacking creatures you control get. Yeah, windbrisk raptor. So it actually it does cost six, and it's really good. Um, and I would love to play one, and I really want to get an alternate art foil one, and I hope that the art isn't nasty nastiness like this one uh it's a bomb it's awesome great i mean white has no shortage of really like you know six mana bomb flying good stuff so uh this is just another one on the list um gideon jura broken busted play it have fun it's amazing does everything uh i I love it i absolutely love gideon um i don't think it's too overpowered or anything like that. It's, it's no Jace. It's no, like... I mean, well, for multiplayer, even, you don't have to worry about it, but... Uh, it, I, I think it's a great card. I play all the Planeswalkers now, um, and when I get Gideon, like... Well, there's only three, to be fair, in white, so I'll be playing all three of them. Um, Gideon's amazing, and the, uh, the other card I really like for white in this set is the Master, the 9-9 Indestructible Lifelink. Oh, the level upper. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, 15 mana, but, you know, you can divide it out, like, however it goes. Um, basically, you could start with... Uh, at, at 9 mana, you can have a 6-6 Lifelink. I mean, these, these EDH games, you know, like, I've untapped with more than 15 mana. I can't even count how many times, so... Uh, Transcendent Master, pretty sweet. Indestructible is a very nice ability in EDH, and Lifelink's a very nice ability in multiplayer in general. So those are the cards I really like. EDH, um, nothing too crazy like going out of White's area, like nothing too new going on. 
I do not like Lin Bala as a general. Um, I think there's some really crazy combos with Lin Bala, like even in a mono white deck, uh, maybe like to lock people out. You know, with uh, you could play Cormus Bell and Orborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth, and basically turn all your opponent's creatures into lands. Or, I mean, all their lands into creatures. Sorry, I got that backwards. And uh, with Cormus Bell, because it makes all swamps one more creatures. And Limbala doesn't have a non-mana abilities clause. Like, it's just activate abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated. And that um, can be huge. It is huge. It really is huge. I mean, it turns off a lot of stuff. If, if people are playing, like, Arkham Daxon, like, you know, in the one group, or uh, if you're playing uh, Scion, or um, just a lot, Drayna, a lot of good generals have activated abilities. Um, so she's really, like, that kind of hoser card, uh, which I'm, I'm not really a fan of hosing other people, stopping them from doing stuff kind of thing. Um but, you know, this this is an option. I could see people playing as a general. I, I think if you really wanted to go dirty, like, you could play in a Teneb deck, and that would give you, like, the tutoring to get her and uh, to get some really crazy combos going. Like, um, basically, the, the combo is that you turn all lands into creatures, and then you have her. So, basically, your opponent's lands don't tap for mana. And there are several ways to do that. Um, I already said the Cormus Bell Orvorg one, but um, another way you could do it is to have. Uh, let's see. There's a there's a world enchant. It's called um, uh, Living Plane, and that makes all uh, lands creatures. Yeah. You could play that. Um, there's a whole bunch of effects, especially with green. Green has a ton of them. Yeah, and, you know, there's redundancy, too. Like, in a Teneb deck, you could play, like, Knight of Souls Betrayal, and you could play Glorious Anthem and Gaia's Anthem, and then, you know, so if all lands are creatures, they're kind of small, and then, you know, everyone who plays a land, it just, it can't even tap for mana, first of all, and then it's just dead, or it doesn't really matter because she's not in play anymore, but you've got, like, Knight of Souls Betrayal and Living Plane, and if you've got Anthem effects, then your, your lands are fine, and theirs aren't. Uh, so it's... I think she's just pretty crazy in general. Like it, just like with the lockdown, and you can combo it with turning uh, your opponent's lands into dudes, and then they can't tap them for eight. So they're not. I mean, they'll be one-one creatures. So, or they'll yeah. be creatures. They can still attack you with them, but you know, then you can even turn that off with a night of soul betrayal. So. Okay. Sure. Anything to add to that, Luciano? Is there any other card that stuck out in your uh, mind? As uh, I mean, I, those uh, those three, obviously, I think I even uh, uh, caught on to. Um, well, I've been looking at a uh, light mine field. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it costs four mana. It's uh, whenever one or more creatures attack, light mine field deals damage to each of those creatures equal to the number of tagging creatures. It, uh, it's pretty good as like a secondary ghostly prison effect. So it kind of keep aggro off your back, because um, it really let, makes them only attack in like small packs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even it's a good token. Pack. It's a very it's yeah. a good token hoser. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes. yeah. So that that's that that's something to look out for. You know, in a more against the more controlish deck. Um. Let's see, yeah, definitely Deathless Angel is pretty good at protecting. Like, you know, a wound condition, like another general. 
Um, yeah, I just it's hard. It's hard to fathom that you know being nothing but a good card. I mean, it just it reminds me of uh, Ardakar Valkyrie and just you know on speed. Yeah, well, that the Darker Doctor is insane. <laughs> totally insane. Yeah. Also, Umbra Mystic. Like, if you want to do like a like an enchantment themed deck, if you were playing um, Zer or Uro, the Mistalker. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of, you I know, like, takes a lot I like of the drop survival cash too. Um, survival cash, it's not bad. I mean, just the the give of some white card draw. You know, would you pay yeah. three mana to draw two cards and gain four life? You know, I mean, if you cast it early, um, and it's just then an opponent, not then all opponents. Yep. So it's even better in multiplayer. You know, if, if one guy is just whatever, I mean, like probably late game, it's even going to work unless you're just that guy. And then even then, if you have the lowest life, it's going to give you two life. So, and then you gain two life again. Um, I think that that's a neat card. Um, maybe that's not quite the because it's not splashy or like awesome enough. You know, white doesn't have a lot of card draw, so this is two cards and four life. Uh, seems pretty fair. It's a possibility. I, you know, just going back to um, a transcendent master and the level up mechanic, because we've we've mentioned that as transcendent master. Um, I think there's a lot of level up cards that you could you could potentially throw into an EDH deck. And some of them obviously are are a little better than others, especially people at you know looking at it for standard. But I think in EDH, it's it the, you know the rules really are are so much different when you can have turns upon turns. You've got extra life. You can you know just not have them block. You do all sorts of stuff that you can do. And these cards just you know they keep getting bigger, and you just. You know, a lot of people wanted them to be instant speed. You know, you can spend it whenever you want an instant. But I, I'd say that you know, it is. It's more skill testing, and I think more realistic. Uh, it's f- more flavorful, and I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play around with level up cards a ton. And then you got a couple little support cards for level up cards, like things like Time of Heroes. Each creature you control with a level counter on it gets plus two, plus two. Um, I was talking to uh, a Tom uh, who couldn't make it tonight at some point because he was a little disgusted about doubling season and the fact that he never picked <laughs> one up, and they just keep getting more expensive with each set that comes out. Well, guess what? Yet another reason doubling season. Oh my costs. gosh! You know <laughs> they're going to be a forty dollar card before too long. It's you know it's insane. It's just really crazy, and I, I just I love the design space around it. So, uh, you know, that, that Time of Heroes looks like it could be kind of interesting with that, too. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to some more of those interesting cards and, and how they interact with... Because uh, I think Blue has a couple. So oh, we'll God. move on to Blue <laughs> and, uh, and take a look at, at some of the Blue. You know, Blue is always popular color. So, uh, Luciano, what did you see in Blue that, that stuck out uh, for you? Uh, for Blue, um, you know, on the, on the common end, I like Eel Umbra. Because it has that uh, flash aspect of, you know, being able to save a guy from, like, uh, a Wrath of God or something along those lines. It's, it's, it's pretty good protection. Also, uh, Mnemonic Wall to kind of, you know, give the upgrade to the, you know, not playing Scrivener if you're playing Mono Blue. Mnemonic Wall is great. I mean, Blue yeah. Learn's a really 
staple anyway because I mean, right. you have so many awesome spells. And back to the graveyard thing, I mean, this is EDH. Like, you really want to use your graveyard. Mnemonic Wall is excellent, I think. Yeah, also the the elephant in the room as far as blue is uh, Lighthouse Chronologist. When you talk about EDH, uh, getting getting that guy to the to the third tier of abilities is uh, pretty sick. Obviously, and you know, that's just uh, I just I can't you know. It, and luckily, you know it it's vulnerable enough. I think it's a fair card because boy, it's you know it's going to sit out there quite a while. Right. Um, and and most people in EDH should hold something back for this kind of effect. Uh, I think um, the most EDH card in this entire set is probably like Cast Through Time. Like that card is just so amazing. Like for EDH, like that's what it's about. You know, big effects, things like that. Uh, I mean, Cast Through Time could probably replace your uh, Thought Reflection. You know, that you're playing. Uh, like that card's really cool in EDH. You know, anytime you draw, you draw two instead. And this thing's like, oh, anytime you play a spell, you'll get to play it again. So it's pretty sweet. Uh, basically, cast through time and the recurring insight, which is, already has rebound. It's a pretty good draw spell. Six mana, pretty much refill your hand because it's equal to just target opponent's hand. You know, somebody will have cards or or not, but I mean, you get to use it twice, so it's it's pretty good. <laughs> And hey, let's give a shout out to uh, Guard Gomazoa, an uncommon one-three flyer that has Defender and uh, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to Guard Gomazoa, all for the low price of one blue, two colorless. Just I like a, uh, Wall of Fog, or, yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's I mean, this one doesn't prevent damage that it deals. So if it's equipped, or you know, it even has one power. So oh yeah, it's yeah, this is. I mean, I, I think that's a great little card. I mean, if you, if anyone wants to talk about budget EDH and they're playing blue, that's that's going to be good. All right, and one other thing I want to talk about, um, and this is this is a card that has proved to have a lot of debate about how good it is and where it fits on the spectrum of counter spells is deprived two blue counter target spell return a land you control to your owner's hand. Um, how how much use are we getting out of this? And there's been a lot of people who say, wow, you know, you want to return a Halmar Depths or you want to return a Colony Garden and get, get extra use out of it. How much coming into play use from lands do we really have in EDH? We've got the gain one life dual lands that come into play tapped, and I'm almost thinking that's a double whammy there. Um, you know, I you've think got- this is more... Yeah, I wouldn't put this in the EDH conversation. I mean, this card is definitely getting a lot of debate right now. Um, like, personally, I have a deck that it's great in. Like, when I play Blue Control on Standard, uh, the curve is insanely low in that deck. It tops out at Jace. And uh, you can play mono, you know, pretty much mono Blue Control on Type 2 uh, already. And this card definitely helps that. But, I mean, for EDH, it's as an additional cost. If it was just, like, Counterspell and Return of Land you control, then that could be good. Um, you know, because whatever, like, you could, you know, potentially use it to save one of your lands that's getting ready to be destroyed, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't think this is an EDH card at all. So Yeah, I, just, I, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, I think if you were going to try to abuse an EDH, well, not really abuse, but 
get more. It can reset the Suva, so that yeah, could, that's the one thing it can do, or it can get back your Teleria West that you played early and then you got it back. But I mean, it's just a counter spell. Like it's yeah, there's you know, there's, there's you a lot of counter, counter spells. You want them to cost six mana and kick your opponent in the face because it's a draining will and now it's huge, or it's an overwhelming intellect, and you're drawing a zillion cards, or it's a time stop, and it just, you know, wiped the grin off their face when they tapped out for Immrockle and saw your islands, you know, e- either way, like, what you're doing, uh, in EDH, the counters, even the counters cost six mana, like, because they're that good, like, and the games go that late, and, you know, you don't need to counter someone's two dropping you in, so. Um, well, there's always the hideaway lands. Hmm. Get an extra use out of those too. That's another possibility. But but really, what uh, the, the I mean, the feeling I'm getting from you two guys are, are basically no. There's really not enough to take advantage of it to to throw this in. There are definitely splashier, bigger effects you can get out of something that's going to counter a spell if that's what you need it to do. Right, and because it just as an additional cost. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, okay, basically, like I would only use this. Like, okay, I'm going to play my instant and then I'm gonna counter my own spell just so I can bounce my lands. <laughs> like that's and but then you know like because like some ability. Like I couldn't counter the spell that was killing my land so I counter the ability by bouncing the land or something like that. Um, yeah. Okay. I just don't think it's worth Alright, and uh we already went over a few things here. Um actually I I kinda like the utility of reality spasm. Just because it's uh, tap or untap and it's X, and it's it's an instant, so it's two blue and X, and you tap or untap X target permanence. So I think that's, you know, it's got some potential, um, mostly depending on what you're trying to do, but uh, that would be another kind of more of a budget card. Yeah, you should just play like turnabout <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if that's yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, we hit some blue stuff here, and and, and I, I, I assume everybody thinks that uh, you know, given the right deck, training grounds is obviously insane. Oh, I love training grounds. I wish it didn't say just creatures. I wish it was just like activated abilities you controlled because it'd be amazing. But I mean, it, it's pretty cool already. Um, you know, just training grounds, and then right next on the spoiler, next to Sphinx of the Magosi, you know, pay one blue, draw a card. Put a counter on this guy, like th- that's insane, you know. So, uh, you know, and any if you if you want to like just go Eldrazi theme like with an EDH deck and put a lot of level up stuff in there, um, it won't reduce it to less than one, so it doesn't. It's not really a combo with the really cheap to level guys, but there are plenty of activity abilities out there that you know you would love to save the mana on, and this is just one mana, so it's pretty cool. Yep. And um, one last one I wanted to mention, or actually two, and one is uh, Sea Beyond, which is draw two cards and shuffle a card from your hand into library. It's one blue, one colorless, which I think is uh, really handy if you've got some kind of, uh, you know, search it out of your library effect. But, you know, it's a, it's a corner case card, but I'm saying I really love the fact that there is this ability out there that's, say, not on a brainstorm or, or Jace, you know, and it's easy to get a hold of this sucker. It's two. So I think that's really nice. And, and this, uh, is, this is a solid card. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I could see playing this in Legacy. I could see playing it in Vintage, even, uh, you know, shuffling the Inkwell Leviathan back in. Like, 
it's two cards for two mana. Like that that's a good deal. <laughs> period. So mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to discard it. Like you can just put it back in your deck. So it's uh, yep. I think it's a great card. And then we talked about level up and uh, I think uh I think Sean and I both saw at the pre release that venerated teacher the uh the little uh, common uh, basically, it's a common gray ogre, but its ability is uh, to put two level counters, aka live the dream, <laughs> yeah, on yeah. each creature you control I mean, with level up, which is insane. Th- this guy is insane. Like this, this is the only matches I lost with my insane deck was a guy playing leveler and then this on turn three, and it just it's so insane. Uh, it'll just blow you away. Watch out, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> All right, well, then, uh, moving on to black, we've got a couple of good things. And, yes, I think it's time um, to unleash the power of Drana, Colostria Blood Chief. All right, I know you've been waiting. Go for it. All right, from the creator of 99 Mountain Ashling and 99 Mountain Omnath, <laughs> announcing 99 Swamp, Snow Cover Swamps. Drana. <laughs> Colossia Blood Chief. Just and because. Yes, it's just that good. It's just that good. It really is. Um, I'm not kidding. I, I know that I could win games with just the lands in this card. And it like there's so many reasons why she's good and why trying to compare her to any other black general is just wrong. Do not compare her to Volrath or Vasara. She's miles and miles beyond both of them. Um... When you use Vassara, you don't get to attack. Okay, when you use Draina, you get to super attack. When you use Volrath, it costs you cards. And this only costs you mana. Uh, this is EDH. Like, your general is basically always an answer. I mean, she can take out freaking Darksteel Colossus. It, it's ridiculous. And she's basically got 7 power and evasion. You know, even if there's no creatures on the board, she just targets herself and still hits her 7, which is the magic number in EDH. Uh, because 21 general damage is GG, and, and she's she's insane, and she's going to be everywhere because it's for a couple reasons, because she's really good, and also because the um, in the intro packs she's the intro pack foil. Um, I, I know like it's really weird about the art for this. Like, I talked to a few people. Some people just like love it, and some people just hate it. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I just think it is what it is. Like if. Maybe you wanted too much out of it if you want to look like super realistic or maybe even more cartoony or something. Like I'm fine with the art. I think it's a great card. I like the kind of like the fireball in her hand because it's sort of like a fireball effect going on. Um, but she she's ridiculous, especially as a general. Like, the fact that she's legendary is just you know that's definitely they didn't have to make her legendary. They just did. She's crazy and probably like. Without being a douche, probably the most powerful mono black general. Like if you're if you're not, I mean, like not the most powerful, like because of the things you can do, like locking people out of the game. But if you're just trying to play red zone and play mono black, I think she's the most powerful general, hands down. Got it. That's that's pretty strong considering uh, Aaron Forsyth tweeted uh, yesterday that he ran uh, four games, four EDH games in a row with his Endrixar uh, EDH deck that we've talked about in the past. Mm. <laughs> so you're thinking Drana? 
Well, no, I mean, I'm saying when you're not playing dirty, like, his deck's pretty uh, dirty. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, his deck's insanely dirty. Like, he's playing Black Neogen, like, Cabal Conditioning, stuff like that. Um, you know, but that's how those guys play. I mean, that's fine if that's your group. Like, for my group, no. <laughs> uh, but what I mean is, like, by playing fair, like, playing red zone only, not playing combo kills, like, I wouldn't then, like, basically my vision of EDH and, like, what I try to maintain in a group is, you know, like, the mono-black players here, like, they don't even play Drain Life, you know, because just expelling someone out of the game, it just doesn't feel that good. Like, it's not really that fun. Um, you know, we went with the red zone here, and she's just the best at that, if that's what you're aiming for. Like, that kind of thing. Um, I think probably, the, if you just want to say straight power level, uh, I would probably have to go with Jahu doing the one-eyed, but... Okay. Or perhaps Mago, but... Yeah. Dana, if you're going to play fair and not be a douchebag and you're winning with the red zone like you're supposed to, Drina's definitely the most powerful model black general. <laughs> Got it. Well, what other good cards do we have in here, Luciano, that are black? Uh, for black, uh, I, I kind of like um, Pestilence Demon because it's kind of like the Thrashing Wumpus, but it's a huge Thrashing Wumpus to kind of, you know... It's a Thrashing kinda... Wumpus that could... Yeah, because it has evasion, so it can even get through with even the bigger guys. Um, there's well, there, there's there's that, and uh, I also like um, going with the mono black theme, uh, Nerkana Revenant. Oh yeah. Yeah, the big shade, big six drop that is basically the black mana flare for swamps. That obviously has some potential. Yeah, it's like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not out of the reach of you know something like Cabal Coffers to kind of get it out there, and then start you know doing sick things with like maybe even like Eldrazi powering those guys out. Excellent. You know, I'm I'm just you know I'm kind of looking at the very beginning of the list, and I mean they they have the the first three cards, and I'm I'm kind of curious if you're really aggro. There's Arrogant Bloodlord. And here's my question. This thing is a 4-4 for two black and a colorless. But its big drawback is that if it's ever blocked or becomes blocked, you know, if it either blocks or becomes blocked by a creature with power one or less, you have to destroy it at the end of combat. Now, are there enough one or less power creatures out there that, that this becomes too big of a liability? There are enough tokens out there for sure. Um, yeah. You know, like, that's pretty normal to see those kind of effects. I wouldn't play this guy. I mean, like, this is so aggro. Like, it would, it's pretty hard to make... A 4-4 four, four for 3, like, there are a lot of 4-4 four, four for 3s, and I've never really seen them played in EDH. Um, you know, even mono green decks don't play Tarmogoyf in EDH. You know, it's just not good enough. Like, it, okay. it doesn't really matter, so... Mm. All right, so there's really not enough there. And what about, what about Baneful Omen? Go in the other direction. At the beginning of your end step, you may reveal the top card of your library. If you do, each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost. This thing is Thank a... Thank for Imrockle. <laughs> I know, this yeah. is a... Imperial this... Seal for Imrockle. <laughs> like, everyone drains 15. It's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm liking that guy. Uh, that enchantment is, is pretty good. Because it's really it's awesome. a reveal. It's not even a, a mill or put it on the bottom. It's just it stays up there, so you know what's coming next. And there are plenty of decently high casting cost um, uh, cards out there, or creatures, for instance, that have some kind of ability to put it back on top of your deck. 
Well, even without changing your deck, if you're playing mono black and EDH, I mean, this is triple black, so most likely going to find a home in there. Uh, you know, you're already playing Decree of Pain, so it's, yeah, like, you've got big spells that cost a lot of mana. That shouldn't be a problem. Like, draining the table for 10 is pretty bad. So. Yep. And, of course, consume the meek, but I, I don't think that really cuts it for EDH. I think there's just too many big creatures running around that it's just not going to hit enough. And it's just going to piss people off and make you a target. Yeah, I mean, if you want to kill tokens, which is what this is going to do, uh, you know, just play, like, the Pestilence Demon. Uh, I, I like the Pestilence Demon a lot. I remember reading it and going, where's the, if you don't control, if there are no creatures in play, sacrifice it. And I'm like, oh, duh, it is a creature. <laughs> so I didn't need that. That's right. Uh, I think the two, like, besides Draina, um, like, really cool black cards in this set are Suffer the Past, which is an excellent card for EDH. Um, games go long, so, like, the life game can be pretty good. But it's it's such a good graveyard hate card. And, um, you know, like, the things about EDH, like, you, the cards that are, like, good early and good late, you know, like, you wouldn't mind having this in your hand early because you're like, oh, okay, I've got, like, this kind of counter for, you know, some brokenness that could happen or whatever. You feel... I have an answer to something like that, like an early Genesis or something like that. Go. All right, mono black players. Um, you know, if you, if you play Flesh Rither, and you should, because the card's just creepy looking and really cool, then whenever you see, you know, a forecasting cost black guy, like, you you know, you look at it and say, oh, what, could I use this? You know, because first off, you've got your transmute with Demir House card. You know, so you want to, oh, would I ever want this card because it costs four in general? And then if it's a creature, would I ever want to Flesh Rither this card? And, you know, you get to answer yes to both questions for something like Thought Gorger. Um, Thought Gorger is an interstate battlefield trigger, so you can flesh over it. And this guy, you know, if you're playing Scroll Rack, or even if you're not, if you just have, like, even dudes in your hand, and maybe you're playing Living Death in your deck, which you know, a lot of people do, uh, it's really cool. Like, it's a trample guy, so that's already awesome. Maybe discard four or five cards, whatever your hand is. You discard it, the guy gets bigger. And then whenever he leaves the battlefield, and that's really crucial. It leaves the battlefield. It's not going to the graveyard. No one's going to, like, rob you of your hand because they had the exile effect with Path or Swords or Crib Swap. So, I mean, take another look at this card. It's not going to go to the graveyard. Like, you play Magic long enough and things are so intuitive, and then, you know, these little things just knock the wheels off sometimes because they're kind of fixing stuff. Uh, like, you know, oh, well, that's not as enjoyable, you know? So it leaves the battlefield makes it really crazy. I mean, if you would say you... Uh, just hypothetical situations like living the dream, imagine Thought Gorger, discard a bunch of crap, and, you know, swing with it, and, like, what if you, like, had drawn, like, an Ink Eyes, or maybe even if you just, like, Volrath Stronghold it, whatever. Like, you swing with this guy for lots, whatever, and, like, it would just somehow return it to your hand. It just left the battlefield, and you're going to draw a card. It didn't even have to, you know, die or whatever. If it just leaves the battlefield, you're drawing a card for every counter on it. So, it's really sweet. Uh, definitely a good flesh with your target. I, I can't... I love the card. It's a tr big trample guy and it's going to give you card advantage and stock up your graveyard, which is just even more card advantage in EDH. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, definitely good with... Um, if you're playing Balthor the, the Defiled or like Chainer because then you can, you know, fill up the graveyard full of creatures and just start reusing them again. Well, you'd have to watch out, though, that someone didn't steal it. And speaking of stealing it, <laughs> one of the red cards uh, I'm looking at, 
I, I'm thinking is is halfway decent is the Conquering Manticore, and I know this is uh, probably going to be a very easy rare card to get. Um, it's not really valued real high, but at, at two red and four colorless, you get a five-five flyer. That um, when it comes uh, when it enters the battlefield, you're going to gain control of the target creature and opponent controls until end of turn. You untap it and gain haste. So it's just one of those little steel effects, but now tacked onto a five-five flyer at six mana. So if we compare this to just the effect of stealing a creature, giving it haste, untapping it, letting it attack, that's what three mana right there on most of the red spells that do that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. love this guy just because he combos with Bizarre Trader. Like, I almost want to make a Stark of Wrath deck just to play Bizarre Trader, because, I mean, you Stark of Wrath and it's tapped, and you Bizarre Trader give it to yourself. So, you know, just stack the abilities, and you end up with a tap Stark of Wrath, and you got to destroy something for basically, you know, just tapping your general. And, you know, anything that makes Bizarre Trader good, like, that's one of the coolest cards in red right now, I think, just because every threat effect can become a, a complete steal effect. And just like this guy, like it's it's a pretty cool card. And like you said, you should be able to get the foils cheap. I think this is the intro pack rare again. Excellent. What else do we got in red here? Explosive yeah. Revelation. Oh, super yeah. Super fun card. Um, I like it much better than Radic Explosion because you actually draw the card. So, like, it's a cool, like, draw card. In EDH, you play big mana cards. Um, anyway, you know, there's that, like... You know, it creates those really tense moments or cool moments when you're like, you know, you need to just deal maybe only three damage or something, and you might hit something that costs two or whatever. Um, or, you know, you target the player and you just get lucky and you hit, you know, your Dark Sea Colossus or something huge. So it's really cool. Um, Fissure Vent is really good too, uh, similar to like Relic Crush. Uh, Relic Crush is really good in EDH for just the card advantage and being able to take out problem cards. Artifacts are always something you want to blow up, and being able to kill someone's, you know, uh, nasty Mind's Eye and their Maze of Ith for in the same card, like, I, I love that effect for red. I think uh, Fissure Vent, yeah, could be a pretty good card. Yeah, that's definitely good. And what about Disaster Radius? As another possible help, a little bit of help for red sweeping, because uh, this thing... You reveal a creature card from your hand, and, you know, if you're not playing some sizable creatures in EDH, I don't know what you're doing, and it deals X damage to each creature your opponent's control, so it's it's that one-sidedness of it. What do you guys yeah, think? Is, is the, it enough? Like the, this is the Red Plague Wind. I mean, it's definitely yeah. an EDH card, and it's the Red Plague Wind. It's solid. It's beautiful, you know. Get a nice Hellkite or something, and bam. <laughs> we like that, right? We like that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Kindle the Carnage. I'm also, I'm also liking uh, World at War. It's the it's yeah. the long assault with the rebound. And, and two kind of uh, kind of reddish ones. There's Hellion Eruption, which I think is kind of interesting. Sacrifice all creatures you control and put that many four four red Hellion creature tokens. So I mean, if you're gonna run some tokens or maybe some goblins. They're small but fast, and you, you try to get a bunch of them out. And assuming you can dodge some mass removal. At six mana, you're turning them all into these big four-four creatures. That that to and me just seems a little bit fun. It combos it's very well with good. pandemonium too, or like anger. Yeah, pandemonium and anger. Yep. Obviously, we've got uh, one of the big level uppers in the set, the Cargan Dragon Lord. Uh, again, this thing levels easily at one red. 
you eventually get a big gigantic well essentially you know big flaming dragon you know he's he's riding a big dragon i, I like it i don't know it's, i would pay uh, 10 mana for a flying trampling 88 oh yeah <laughs> it's great it's you know it's good early it's good late it's definition of an edh card <laughs> And and what about and you know here I was talking about sacrificing things earlier. What about magma? What do yeah. you guys think? Sacrifice a non-land permanent magma deals one damage to target creature or player. He wants basilisk collar. Yes, he does. Oh yeah. I think I think a basilisk collar on a magma would be okay. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of like that. Another thing that's really important for EDH is having sack outlets. You know, I mean, people are going to try to steal your stuff or exile it or you know whatever, yep. and. You know, random sack outlets, like, you know, that's pretty cheap, just one mana. Um, it sucks that it's non-land permanent, I guess. You know, they didn't want people to just... Basically, it would turn into a fireball in the format, I think. Mm. Uh, limited, so that would just... It'd be, but it's even then, it's a rare. I don't know, I think it should just say permanent, but... Um, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, having a sack outlet in general is really good. I'm not that impressed with it, uh, depending on your deck. Like, if you were playing uh, Rion, though... Right, like red white, then you would have the tutoring that you need to make it really good with Basilisk Caller. So if you're playing Breon, I think this guy could be really good for you, especially with Basilisk Caller, uh, stuff like that. Um, and it's it's good to have random sack outlets in EDH so that people can't steal your stuff or exile it and stuff like that. Or even red, like you can't deal with enchantments if someone puts a face fetters on your general. You know, it's really problem for you. So. Sacrifices, or sacrifice effects, like, with very little cost, pretty good. And then, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about Tuk Tuk. He's our red, our red general out of the set. Uh, Sean, have you, have you sleeved up a 99 mountain Tuk Tuk yet? This guy is crap. (laughs) This guy, this guy is crap. Like, he's probably the worst legendary goblin ever. If the token had haste, no, not even. Not even that. Next. <laughs> Not even then. And if right. the token Next. had haste and your legendary token got to do legendary token general damage. No, that would be, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we've got uh, a couple colors left here. Green, of course, big favorite of mine. And I, I ended up with a, a foil awakening zone. Um, and that's got some potential, I suppose, uh, making some little tokens and generating some extra mana. But nothing insane there. What else do we got here? Um, As far as insane goes, I mean, Realms Uncharted is insane. It's insane. And you should all play it. I don't care if you don't like to think, you think you want to play green. Well, don't think. Just, you know, play it, and then you're looking through your deck and go, oh yeah, I can get that, and that, and that, and that. It's EDH. It's a 99-card deck. You're happy to see these cards. It's not like you're guaranteed to see them every game or anything like that. Like, non-basic lands are insanely good. And, you know, you just go get four really great non-basic lands that you'd be happy to have. And there you go. Like, you're going to get two of them. You know, it's instant speed card draw. It's really good. It's kind of like almost a better uh, Armillary Sphere. And Armillary Sphere is a great EDH card. Like, every, almost everyone should play that card. So... If you're playing green, you have access to this, you should totally play it. It's insane. It's the best green EDH card in the I'm not going to do much to argue with that, because I love it, too. Um, Momentous Fall is pretty sweet, too. I've got Dreams. 
and someday <laughs> they'll come to pass. I, I, w- I will use that someday. Um, that's uh, basically you sack you you you. It's like four mana, green, two green, two colorless. You sack the creature, draw cards equal to its power. And gain life equal to its toughness. Gain life equal to its toughness. Yeah. Because oh, it wasn't good enough to just draw the cards. I mean, it's so good. Got it. And I, I'm uh, I'm also looking at Gigantomancer. And and here's where I like Gigantomancer. Not to make my own creatures bigger, but other people's. And I just, I'm, I'm just debating. Is it, is it too fragile to even try? Because it's a heck of a. I, I'm cast. gonna have to bust you on that because it says target creature you control. Oh, yep, so. I'm busted. Wait, never mind. Oh no, that just. Okay, you know, I either forgot yeah, from when this. I, I went there too. You know? <laughs> oh man. Anybody remember scornful egotists? I mean, how many eight mana one ones are there? There's like this yeah. guy. I think there was a squirrel something or other that what threshold he was. You know what? I mean, honestly, I was excited about, but you know what? I misread it. I forgot about that. I didn't see that whole creature you control. Um, that kills it for me. That absolutely yeah. kills it for me because I'm uh, I'm very much more from the uh, in, in just the way you can manipulate things. That would have been just so wonderful. Oh yeah, that would have been an insane multiplayer card. I mean, just oh, I can at will make creature seven sevens. Like I dare someone to attack. Okay, you know. If I don't imagine, want you attacking that guy, I'll make his blocker seven sevens. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> imagine, imagine if they made power. this guy. Imagine if they made this guy cost like say a green and two, and it said one target creature you don't control becomes seven oh. on turn. Oh, that'd be so good. Wouldn't that be so sweet? That'd be so sweet. Like here's seven general damage <laughs> from Tuck Tuck. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, Gigantomancer. And hey, I'd like to report uh, for those of you who uh, who know Tom, uh, who uh, is the main man behind uh, Monday Night Magic and has joined us on this uh, show several times. Hopefully, will again. Uh, he did receive a gelatinous uh, Genesis at the pre-release. Oh, I'm so happy! <laughs> and, no, and here's the thing: Tom told me about his gelatinous thing. He didn't tell me about his Gideon Jura. It's too bad he can't play Gideon in Crash, like. Uh... Oh, yeah. Because then you're just, like, destroying every tapped creature. And just boom. It'd be nice if Gideon had slightly better abilities, though. You know, something else than destroying a tapped creature. Because that, once it's once it happens, everybody can lay off. Or they just attack Gideon and get rid of it. What else do we have here in green? That's it for green. It's, like, really wow. Cool stuff. Yeah. I love... I love Fog effects, and so when you say something like "Hey's frog," I think you know, fog because of the fog frog, and uh, and it just doesn't do it for me at five mana. Well, it's five oh, mana, but it's also a flash. You'd rather play moments piece in that slot, yep. <laughs> even then. But, but then, then again, it's also one sided because it only. Uh, but it's only for him. It's only one sided for the actual haze frog, not your team, uh, just the frog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep yeah, wanting just, it to be good, but it, it yeah. green's not tricky. Alright, I think we've gotten through most of green then. Um, unless there's anything else either of you think should be drawn out. No, I mean, Preserver could get good if like a lot of people are playing Eldrazi, but I mean, right now it's. Who knows? Like, it's not like it would even be that worth it. You wouldn't see it often enough for it to really matter. Are, are people going to yell at us for forgetting Vengevine? No, no, it's not an EDH card. I mean, it's, it's a solid card, but. It's more like, ooh, just like little card advantage. Like, I've seen people play Massive Admirers and EDH, but 
But, I mean, they might like it or whatever, but you'll just run over them. Like, you draw as many extra cards as you want. Like, it's so slow at drawing extra cards, and it's really not that impressive. It's just a 3-2. And I, I think maybe even Mass Admirers would be even better than Vengemont. Like, it's okay. just not that good. So. All right. Well, we're moving out of there. There's one multicolor card in this entire set, and it is Sarkhan the Mad. This is, of course, for folks that don't know, um, Planeswalker Sarkhan. Three colorless, a black and a red. Um, it has three abilities, um, not four. That's not the new standard. Sorry, all you Jace lovers. Uh, oh, it has a be- one. <laughs> What's that? There's only one Planeswalker with four abilities. Jace wow. has the smallest start in Magic, and I hope it stays that way. All right. I Anyways, it has a it. starting loyalty of seven, <laughs> and its uh, its first ability is zero. Reveal the top card of your library, put it in your hand. Sarkhan the Mad deals damage to himself. Eagle that cards converted mana cost. So this is a bob. This is a dark confident effect, but it hits the planeswalker. So that's kind of fun. This uh, minus two ability is the second ability. Target creature's controller sacrifices it. Then p- that player puts a five-five red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. And then the third ability is minus four. Each dragon creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target player. Part of the thing about uh, EDH is the games go long, and Sarkhan seems like he's not in it for the long run, since he has no way to gain counters. As far as his abilities go, uh, the second ability is interesting because of, you know, red has, you know, temporary steel effects, uh, but Sarkhan lets you, you know, kind of do away with the creature you just stole. Yeah, um, so, I mean, Sarkhan, yeah, there's no way to put anything else on him. The only way you're going to get more loyalties counters on Sarkhan Vol is... Doubling season. Doubling season, that's right. Tom is cringing when he, when he hears this. Well, but, G- Gilder Barn can reload him, too. So. Well, that's true. That's, we might be able to do something. Uh, I, think, I think Power Conduit works, too. Power mm. Conduit is just charge. Power, power Conduit does charge counters. Yeah. So oh, really? These are loyalties. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to you'd have to be in a group that allows the uh, unhinged cards for giant fan. Oh, uh, clock Un- spinning. All right, I mean, but you know what? It's more trouble than it's worth. I think that's what we're saying. <laughs> I, I am not. I am not. That's you guys. I love Sark and the Mad. I love Planeswalkers. And a thing about Planeswalkers, like you know, the games go long and whatever. Like Planeswalkers get dealt with. I mean, they have to be. They're just that good. Like that's the point. Um, you know, earlier we were talking about playing Conspiracy. Imagine just five mana, minus four. Okay, I get a Soul Blast that doesn't make me sack all my dudes, you know, for a mana less. Like, that's insane. And, you know, then he still has, he's still hanging out and needs to be dealt with. Um, you know, I think so, I think Planeswalkers in general are just really good in because uh, they, they just need to be dealt with. And it's something that could distract people from coming at you. Especially in EDH, there's sweepers and stuff like that, so, you know, people might have just that one giant creature. And, you know, I've seen 9-9 creatures swing at a Planeswalker with two loyalty because it's a Planeswalker, and they just don't want to let you have that effect again, or whatever. Um, I play a Johnny, and it pretty much comes out and just goes minus, minus, minus until it's killed or kills itself. Uh, I don't think Planeswalkers hanging out is what makes them good. Like, they're, I mean, they're vulnerable, they can be attacked, whatever, but so, I, mean, I, I really like Sarkin. I'd probably play it in the deck I had the colors right for it. So. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, you know, even if you consider it uh, one black, one red, three colorless, turn something you have, some little tiny creature, into a five-five flyer. Even yeah. if you look at it as just that, it's it's not too bad. It's obviously you wouldn't. I don't think that 
as a, as a as a spell itself would be strong enough for an EDH deck, but the fact that you might be able to do it again and possibly even again after that might be pretty yeah. You know? And, you know, you could be playing Kirk Heap or, you know, whatever, or even Eldrazi Spawn Tokens yeah. or stuff yeah. like that. I mean, that's it's, Planeswalkers are great. I mean, they divert attacks from you. And it makes, also, like, if you've got good defensive stuff, if you've got, you know, some guy with First Strike or Vigilance or something like that, it's like, you know, they want to attack you, but they can't or something like that. So. Exactly. Well, we have uh, 12 artifacts. And there's at least a couple worth noting here. Um, you know, I want to point out that uh, I was able to play with a Dreamstone Hedron, and boy, it's nice to have that extra three mana pop in and, and the option to get three more cards, which is, uh, you know, Dreamstone Hedron, six, uh, tap, add three to your mana pool, or three and tap, sacrifice it to draw three. So yeah, I found out I was more than happy to pay nine for Harmonize. <laughs> it was really good for me, too. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's all colorless, so uh fits into any deck. Angel Heart Vial, a lot of people, I've heard people say, wow, this is great in EDH. Great in EDH. Um, I'm going to tell people what it is, and uh, you guys are going to break it up here. Five. Oh, one, sec, one sec on Sarkin, though. With okay. uh, If That Betrays, like, Sarkin is really great. So, you know, just like you want like a Chainer's Edict kind of effect or something like that, you know, If That Betrays is really good with Sarkin because you just, like, kill their guy, and then, you know, you get it, so. And 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. good. So Angel Heart Vial is an artifact for 5. It says, whenever you're dealt damage, you may put that many charge counters on Angel Heart Vial. Then you can spend 2, tap, and remove 4 charge counters from it. You gain 2 life, so you get half the life back of that, you know, that was spent to put those charge counters on, and draw a card. This this just does sound really as a nice utility artifact for EDH. I I I'm gonna probably try this. I don't know. Do you guys think uh, I'm nuts? I I'm I'm gonna guess you're gonna say no, Steve. You're not nuts. Well, anyone who's played with Sun Droplet, it's good. Yeah. And this can also make people kind of not attack you or like attack you in kind of different ways, like try to go all in or commit more kind of stuff. So I mean. It could be a good card. I mean, it, it draws cards in game life, but, you know, when people don't want to damage you because they don't have the answer for your artifact or whatever, and I, mean, I think it's a cool card. Not, I mean, I'm more of a beat-down than slow control stuff, but I think it could be good. Okay. Well, I think um, the thing is you're spending five mana for it, which I guess isn't that bad, but at the same time, you only gain it in two life in increments, and you only because it's a tap effect. So, unless unless you're, you know, kind of playing something like um, Rings of Brightheart, or like a Seedborn Muse, so, so mm-hmm. something that would let you do it a little little more, then you know, by just by itself, I don't I don't know if it's strong enough. Like there's you know, Sun Droplet, and uh, there's also I don't know. There's, there's, there's definitely more ways. I don't know. It's, I guess, I guess you could try it as a secondary sun droplet effect. Well, it's just that it's so cheap to activate, right? I mean, like Candles of Ling is played, but it's, you know, it's four mana to activate. Like this is only two mana to activate, and just kind of that nice little side benefit that, you know, maybe it almost it's cool that it looks people look at it and maybe they don't want to disenchant it or whatever. So that you you know you can get some value out of it or whatever. It's just I like that it is really cheap to activate. I think that if it is good, 
then that's one of the strongest points is that it's only two mana as opposed to all the other like uh, JM tombs kind of effects. Three, four, so, five manas to yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is only two mana, so I mean, I know a lot of people have considered trying to play Liar's Pendulum just because it's two mana, <laughs> you know. But. So here, here's my uh, here's my candidate for the group hug creature of the set, Rune Servitor. Two mana for a 2-2 two, two artifact, and when it's put into a graveyard, each player draws a card. This is nothing spectacular, but it's the closest I could find to something that's really nice and group huggy. Um, I think <laughs> earlier we'd mentioned the uh, the artifact uh, equipment that uh, you put on defenders. It's Warmonger's Chariot. Two casting cost artifact equipment that you can uh, equip for three. The equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. And if that, card, that creature has defender, it can attack as though it didn't. This is almost the best wall enabler, defender enabler for attacking that, that that I think has ever been printed. Just because it can go on something else if you don't have that defender. You don't have to build an entire defender deck and then say, yeah, I got to get you know, you know, my walking stones or whatever it is out uh, to make rolling this deck. Stones. Yeah. Rolling stones. Yeah, I don't have to get rolling stones to make this deck do anything. Um, you you can maybe pack a couple of good walls, and we didn't even mention the white wall. Uh, that's the wall of blossoms, the white wall of blossoms. But um, you know, Not for really. a few decent for a few decent walls, and uh, and this piece of equipment, uh, it can work on your non defenders, and uh, it might turn on a couple of really good ones. Just so that you might think about putting them in the deck for once. Because I don't think I've ever thought of putting a defender in my EDH deck. But maybe with this equipment, I might consider it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have to worry right. if I have this on board and no uh, no defender, because I can still plop it on something for plus two, plus two. You know, you could play the, the general that has defender and then play this. So... <laughs> And that, that general's white, too. So then, you know, you'd be able to actually deal general damage with it. Yeah. Uh, I forget what his name is. The, I think it's like a three-mana card. Oh, ah, I don't know, one of those Kamigawa legends. Oh, yeah, Kamigawa. Nobody ever remembers those. Yeah. Except for Mago or, you know, Cuckoo, you know, something like that. All right, well, we're almost done. Uh, there are just two lands in this set, one of which is Eldrazi Temple. So, I mean, if you're going to focus on Eldrazi and want a little more mana... Uh, to do it, you can try an Eldrazi Temple, because it adds uh, one colorless to your mana pool, or two for colorless Eldrazi spells or activate uh, abilities of colorless Eldrazi. That's pretty narrow, so I don't think there's anything there. But Evolving Wilds, I think, should be mentioned, because it's essentially a functional reprint of... Terramorphic Expanse. Oh, yeah, Terramorphic Expanse, yeah. So you can have two, and uh, I think that's uh, that's just real great, especially for those people uh, on a budget. Because that's a yeah. lot better than a. That's a lot cheaper to buy than a fetch land. Well, I mean, I play all the fetches in a chroma with Rings of Brighthearth. I mean, Rings of Brighthearth fetch lands is such a good mana engine, and you know, almost any deck can use it. It's really good, and uh, I'm happy to have another one. So. So for for those folks out here not keeping count, and that would be me as well, but we have mentioned Rings of Brighthearth many times. So I'm 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 going to say Sean that must be on your staple list. Oh, it's absolutely on my staple list. I mean, it's so, just one of those cards. Like, so really if, if it's, you're not running it, throw it in, and then you'll start to love it too. And so really, it's it's, it's 98 Mountain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not 99 Mountain uh, Ashling. It's 98 Mountain Ashling Rings. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> right. There you go. 
All right, we got one or two more uh, cards. Someone wanted to mention Keeningstone. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention Keeningstone because it, um, it's pretty good as like a milling effect. Like if, if you wanted to try to win with like a mill, or even if you're running a graveyard recursion theme, it's good at filling up your graveyard. Like if you're going to try to power out a big living death. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something to look out for because it's, you know, it, it goes big because it mills equal to the number of cards already in your graveyard. Yep. It just keeps getting bigger each time. Or even if you were going to try to kill somebody with like a guilt feeder. And then I think we wanted to mention that there was a functional reprint of Soul Warden, just in case anyone uh, goes for that. And it's called um, Soul's Attendant. Also, um, on the the shade, the black shade, it's in addition to whatever mana the land's already producing. So, like, you could tap, like, your Temple of the False God with this in play, if you had, like, Orvorg, of course, and then your Temple of the False God would tap, like, two and a black. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty crazy. Okay. And uh, if that betrays is a replacement effect, so if you can get someone to sack their general, they don't get to put it in the command zone. It just comes in, it never goes to the graveyard, they don't get the option of, you know, command zone ruling it. If you have it that betrays, make people sack those generals and take them. <laughs> wow, that's just crazy. That is just crazy. Well, that wraps up, I think, the uh, the Eldrazi. Um, quite a set. We'll we'll be seeing what happens and just what people have to do with it. So we're gonna. Um, that's that's gonna be most of the show. But we want to introduce uh, kind of the next topic we're gonna be going after, and that's next week. We're gonna we're gonna do uh, a general, or maybe in the, about two weeks. We'll be doing a, a general overview of the Guafa. Uh, what's it? Well, how does it say? Guafa has a private Hazid. Hazid. Profit here. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. So any of you folks who want to follow along, uh, pick, you know, take a look at it, and, uh, bring your own thoughts, and see what we do. And then uh, we're going to do kind of an ongoing discussion about some of the fun things that happen around. EDH, and some of that, uh, the big thing we're going to talk about now is, and we're going to bring up is pimping. Uh, pimping, of course, for those of you that don't know, is is basically taking and finding fancy versions or something different about the cards. So you're looking for either foils or promo cards or altered art cards, uh, just something to make your deck really flashy and fancy. You know, you're you're going to use. You know, all unglued or unhinged lands, or you're going to use all the the full art uh, Zendikar lands, and um, you know we're going to talk a little bit about this. And I just want to, you know, I was curious, and I asked uh, Luciano and Sean if they had any of this, and I think both of them said that there was some pimping happening uh, in their groups. Is that correct, guys, Luciano? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, uh- and what kind of stuff, know, Luciano, do you, Luciano, in the group you play with, what kind of pimping happens? Oh, uh, well, I, um, a few months back, had the pleasure of uh, playing my friend's um, Una deck in the, in the league, and that had a, a bunch of foils. Like, it had, you know, like the Textless Damnation, um, a foil, Academy Ruins, like, just a bunch of different foils. And also, you know, like Japanese cards. Like, I think there was, like, a foil. Or or it might have been Japanese Dread Return in there, like you know, just like foreign cards, 
and foil cards and taxless cards. You know, basically uh, what people try to put in their decks just to you know make them special. Because the thing is, you only have to get you know one of them for your deck. You don't have to go get a playset. Oh, a playset is one in EDH. Right. <laughs> so that's that's another incentive is you know you can go and splurge for like a foil grim monolith if you want. <laughs> Because you only need the one, you don't need a set. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, any any other kinds of pimping that they did, or was it pretty much all just finding foils or, or the promo foils? It's mostly foils, I think. Um, I have I, I I don't know of anybody in my group that actually has altered art, but you know, I guess that's the other type of pimping of getting you know stuff painted on top of your cards. Okay, and I have to admit to doing a little bit of that, uh, which I'll talk about in just a moment. Sean, is there anything different that uh, that you have uh, over there? Any how do, how do how do they pimp it out in Japan? Uh, yeah, a lot they, of ways. Do they get American? Um, do they get English cards to pimp out in Japan then? Um, sometimes. Um, also, like you know, they pimp out a lot of the tokens and stuff over here. Like uh, I don't know, like the generals over here, like. Your general's foil, or it doesn't deal general damage. I mean, not really, but like, <laughs> generals are always foil over here. Like, if your general's not foil, what are you doing? Like, unless it's something that hasn't been printed as a foil, I mean, like, there's no excuse. Like, your general needs to be foil. It's just, you gotta foil your general. Like, I, I don't understand. I didn't even know generals came in on foil, really. And I didn't know that lands didn't come in full art now. Because that's just all you'll see is full art lands. Um... You gotta get your stuff pimped out. I love my Judge Foils, like Maze of Ith and my Soul Ring. Um, you gotta get, like, the Foil Pilgrim's Eye. That's not hard to get. Uh, when I opened my, like, two cases of Worldwake that I bought, one of my Foil Mythics was Admonition Angel. And I was pretty stoked about that, so. Very nice. Uh, let's see. And just pimped out, like, I've seen people with, like, uh, their own custom art and stuff, like, for uh, there was a guy playing a Godo deck, and um, he he his general he just made his general like print out. He made like this alternate thing like Godo picture and stuff like that in Japanese and stuff like that. So, um, people mostly pimping out the cards is just normal stuff like getting foils, uh, getting like the the nice land stuff like that. I have a misprint. Sarah Elemental. It's a Sarah Angel that's Spanish, 4th edition, black bordered with Time Elemental's art. But everything else is Sarah Angel and it's signs. Oh, um, nice. So, that's probably. Yeah, other than foils and stuff like that, like that's pretty much how we pimp it out here. And with like having crazy token stuff, like uh, you make your own art for like your Promise of Power token or, you know, whatever. Caldra. Yeah. You gotta make your own Caldra. Yeah, Caldra looks like crap, too. Like, if you've seen, like, the... I don't know if they ever made physical tokens of it, but, like, on the Magic Online tokens, Caldra just looks stupid. Like, I I don't know. Well, I've I've also seen uh, stickers put on top of generals. (laughs) Like, like in in our playgroup, we have a Horde of Notions deck. And... (laughs) And it's it was it was rocking uh, My Little Pony stickers. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, my son has yeah. some a uh, ton of Lightning McQueen stickers. I should go check those out. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's something uh, to put on there because you know, if it's your EDH deck, you're you're most likely holding on to it for a while, and you're not going to trade away your general. So you might as well, you know, do whatever you want to it. You know, one of one of my decks is a is a mono red with uh, Jaya Bellard Task Mage, and you know, I mean, she she can hurl incinerates essentially, so that's pretty close to a lightning bolt. And McQueen is shiny red with a lightning bolt on his side, so yeah, I think that'd work. But one, you know, the next thing I and and yes, uh, I, I do have to admit I have uh, in my time purchased an altered art Eternal Witness and an altered art Mall Drifter, and uh, and they're just gorgeous and they're really kind of neat to look at. And uh, I, I have to admit I'm debating, you know, which is the next card I'm going to get. But um, we'll, local uh, big name for Eternal Witness is Eternal Witless because like. It's just a no-brainer. You have to play it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping for its return in the next block. If we're actually going back to Mirrodin, I mean, it's eternal, right? It should still be there. Uh, I've been playing the White Witness. Uh, if nobody knows, what I'm talking about. I'm sure um, it's called Devout Witness. It's uh, from Mercadian Mask, yep. and oh, it's yeah. just a gray ogre with uh, pay two tap disenchant. You have to discard a card, but. Yep, one, one of the spell shapers. Pretty good with rings of bright heart. <laughs> hey, bing, 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 bing. We need and a little spell. Card. I discard my spell. eternal dragon, and then I get it back, and then I discard plane cycle it with rings of bright heart, and go get two lands instead of one. That was good with squee. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But one thing we wanted to do, because, um, you know, pimping out decks, we've talked about... And, and I think we've talked about the real common ways to do it. So what I want to do is send it out to our listeners. If you have anything that we haven't mentioned about ways to pimp out your deck, I know we didn't talk about sleeves, for instance, and, and we want to expand it too, pimping out your magic experience at all. So we're talking about, I mean, do you pimp out the things you carry your magic cards in when you go to the store? Do you have a fancy backpack? Do you have a box? Like I've always wanted one of those uh, silver briefcases. Um, is the I wish they made a, an Acroma box that was, like, EDH size. Because, like, you know, there is the Acroma box that's, like, 60 card size, but uh, I, they don't make one. Or I have never seen one that's, like, EDH size deck box. I wish they should start doing that. Somebody should start yeah. doing that. Like, just put generals on it. You're out there, like entrepreneurs or whatever. You got connections. <laughs> there, there are one or there are one or two boxes I've heard of that are big enough for an EDH deck. So if anyone yeah, is dude. aware of what those are, you know, get us that information. Oh and, no, I have those. Like those, okay. those, they sell those all the time. Like those are fine, but they're just like you know monochromatic, boring, whatever. I mean, there's plenty of EDH deck boxes, but the problem is like they're not tricked out. Like I would love to have a chroma sleeves and a chroma playmat. And an Acroma deck box, you know, for my Acroma deck or something like that. Like, that would just be sweet. Okay. So, anyways, uh, users out there or listeners out there, uh, get us those uh, ideas and send them on in. And we'll, we'll bring this up again. And we will send us pictures if you've got them of something interesting. Tell us what it is. Uh, we would love to talk about the things that make playing EDH and playing Magic a, a more fun experience by through pimping and, and doing special things with it. So uh, we'd really love to bring those to our listeners. Well, oh, guys, Texas I... I too. And, well, Texas. Yep, yep. So, yeah. <laughs> guys, it's been colossal. We've done uh, a lot of rise here. Uh, it's a big set. We did a lot of talking about it. I think we've uh, 
done a good job covering it. Any last words on uh, on uh, Elder Dragon Highlander for the week? Drain is insane. Realms Uncharted's insane. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would try to get as many colorless cards as possible just to help out any kind of deck. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, thank you for listening. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Luciano, for joining us. Uh, we're going to try and get Benny and Tom back uh, next time. Uh, remember, send us those ideas. Send us the feedback. We love to hear from it, and we'll try and get more of them on the air. So until then, folks, uh, we're signing off. So uh, see you later, guys. And uh, say goodbye to everybody. Sorry, guys. All right, bye.